0: Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on AirTalk Anytime at LAS.com, KPCC.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Joining us with the very latest on COVID-19, our expert has been with us week in and week out for two years, Dr. Dean Blumberg, professor of medicine and chief of pediatric infectious diseases at UC Davis Children's Hospital. Dr. Blumberg, welcome back and welcome to us entering year three.
1: Yeah, you know, when you were doing that introduction, Larry, I was thinking, gosh, it's been so long and it's been so exhausting, and yet it feels pretty good right now, doesn't it?
0: It does. Kind of like we can exhale a little bit. Last hour, Dr. Blumberg, we actually opened up the phone just to ask listeners when they were out and about this weekend, the first weekend without a mask mandate, what they saw and what they felt about it. And and interesting mix of, of callers. I would say the majority uh, were keeping masks, even with the mandate uh, being gone at this point. I'm curious your thoughts what do you recommend we do despite um there not being a mandate in most places
1: well i i still feel comfortable masking it just feels better to me i still worry about um, people out there who are unmasked and may not be vaccinated um, they likely have some immunity at this point they've probably had covid but i you know i'd, I'd still I'd, I'd feel better if there was even lower rates of of COVID going around, there is still transmission. It's down 95 percent in California from the peak in January with Omicron. It's down 98 percent in LA County from that peak, but there's still substantial transmission. And so I still feel comfortable wearing the the mask. I I still don't want to get sick, even if a my even if a breakthrough infection would be mild, I'd still rather not have that.
0: Kaiser Health News uh, recently did a story about teenagers who, you know, really stonewalled their parents on getting vaccinated. The parents wanted them to get the shots and uh, the teens didn't, you know, didn't comply for whatever reason or delayed. And, you know, there have been been deaths, um, you know, obviously not not a lot, not high numbers, but there have been some tragic outcomes from that. And it it made me wonder, you know, with with your patient population and, and the families that you work with, if you have a teen who is was resistant, what, what sort of advice do you give the parents or what do you say to the teen?
1: You know, it, it is much less serious in teens compared to adults, but like you said, some teens, when it happens to them, these previously healthy teenagers with their whole life ahead of them, and i've seen those previously healthy teenagers die from covid from complications of covid i saw a patient this morning in the icu with myocarditis from covid mm. so you know that can occur and if it happens to your person your you know or your child then it's a it's a real tragedy so you know you can talk about individuals you can talk about the numbers that if you look at something um, like myocarditis, there's a, you know, 300 times increased risk of getting that um, if you're not vaccinated compared to if you're you're vaccinated. So so you, if you want to improve your odds, then you want to get vaccinated.
0: I wanted to ask you about what's happening in China because it's seeing a surge. You know, they've had this zero COVID approach and used methods that It's hard for me to imagine us employing in the United States, maybe with a communicable disease that is even uh, more contagious and deadlier than than COVID-19. But in China, they're seeing their biggest coronavirus outbreak since the early days of the pandemic. They had 800 new cases reported over the weekend, almost as many as were reported altogether for the entire previous week. Omicron is fueling this. Is this, Dr. Blumberg, just unfortunately their turn for Omicron?
1: I think it's partially their turn for Omicron and their zero COVID policy led. It was was very successful in terms of decreasing rates of transmission. But what they didn't do was have an aggressive vaccination campaign to get that partial, at least full or partial immunity within the population. So the vaccination rate in China for COVID vaccine is about 57%. And they're using a vaccine that's likely less effective than the vaccines that we've been using in the US, the Pfizer and BioNTech vaccines, as well as the Moderna vaccine. So so I think that's left a large population, a large proportion of the population vulnerable to infection. And really, we know that it's only a matter of time before before people are going to get infected if they're not vaccinated. So I think that's, that's what they're seeing.
0: The Bay Area News Group uh, did an analysis of state COVID-19 deaths and found the four deadliest weeks of the Delta and the Omicron surges saw the number of unvaccinated people who died were nearly identical uh, and far higher than the totals for the vaccinated. But um, during Omicron's heyday, three times more vaccinated people died than died during the height of Delta. Uh, We know that Omicron was more contagious for vaccinated people, and it appears that um, commensurate with that, the death death rates were higher than for Delta for vaccinated people, too. Um, What else do those findings suggest to you, Dr. Blumberg?
1: Yeah, so my interpretation is I think that the vaccine prevented infection with Delta better than it prevented infection with Omicron. Omicron had evolved far enough away from the original strain, the original coronavirus strain, that the vaccine didn't provide as much protection. It still did provide significant protection in terms of of hospital admission and death, but not as much um, as compared to Delta, which was more closely related to the original, original strain.
0: 866-893-KPCC, or you can email us at atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location and your first name with your questions for Dr. Blumberg. Uh, We have a listener question that was emailed from Nicole and Ladera Ranch. My son's school drops its mask mandate on Friday. My son is hoping not to wear a mask starting next week. I'm more hesitant because I have asthma, uh, chronic high blood pressure, and I'm four months pregnant. My son is vaccinated and had COVID in mid-January. Should I make him continue to mask up?
1: Yeah, that's difficult, you know, because everybody does have different circumstances in terms of vulnerability to infection, as well as different risk tolerance. And so the family really needs to come together and be on the same page. So I I would recommend, you know, if, if that was me, I would recommend that everybody in the household continue to mask when out and about, including... The student, um, because even though he's vaccinated and even though he had a recent COVID infection, he can get another breakthrough infection. And if he had that infection in January, then really the protection that you get from that is probably about 90 days. Um, So he's going to be vulnerable to reinfection next month. I would hope that he would continue to mask so that everybody in the household could could have a decreased risk of infection.
0: Let's stay in Orange County. Deanna in Corona Del Mars says, I received an invitation to a wedding reception at the end of this month. The couple is asking for a negative COVID test taking within two days of the reception. But if we don't have symptoms, how accurate would the test be? And when is the best time to test before going?
1: Yeah, so the the tests are good. The antigen tests are about 80% sensitive in detecting infection. Um, And the sooner you do it, the closer to the time of the event, then the better it is. Because obviously, if you get test two days before and it's negative, that doesn't mean that one day before it could it could turn positive. So the closer to the time of the event is better. It's still a useful way to prevent transmission when people are going to be in close proximity and unmasked. And again, everybody has a different risk tolerance. So this couple really wants those negative tests. So I would, I would abide by that.
0: All right. 866-893-KPCC. One of the questions is, you know, why do certain people, um, Seem to not get COVID even when they're out in the world a lot, maybe engaging in riskier behaviors. They've been surrounded by people who've had COVID 19 at different points over the past couple of years. What can we learn about those people? I mean, some like of it's just random chance, but in other cases, is there perhaps something going on with the immune systems of those individuals?
1: Yeah, it's possible that the, their immune systems have had a more robust robust response to um, either vaccination or um, asymptomatic infection or a combination of the two. You know, we, we think of the antibody that you get after infection as being homogeneous, but it's not. We get antibodies to several parts of the spike protein. And some of those antibodies are better than others. Some neutralize the virus better than others. And some will be in areas that are conserved among different strains, so among Delta and Omicron and others, and others will be in areas that are unique to the different strains. So that if you get a very good antibody response to one particular part of Delta, and then that changes with Omicron, well, then you won't have much immunity with Omicron. So there's so many variables um, out there. Um, And in addition to the antibody arm of the immune system, there's the T cell, the cellular immune response. And people have different responses to the cellular immune responses to um, both immunization and infection. So there's a lot of variables out there. Kate in
0: Mar Vista asks I'm fully vaccinated and boosted. I have two sisters who are not and will not be. I want to know what the protocol should be when I see them. I haven't seen them in two years, but we all want to get together soon.
1: Yeah, again, this comes down to risk tolerance. You know, at at some point in the pandemic, everybody is going to have been either vaccinated um, or um, infected so that they're going to have at least some partial immunity and you'll have some decreased risk of infection from being around them compared to earlier in the pandemic. So it depends on your risk tolerance, if they're otherwise healthy and asymptomatic and you really miss them and you don't have, um, you're not at high risk for complications for severe disease, then even if you're unvaccinated, some people would choose to see them um, see them without a mask on and rely on your own vaccine-induced immunity. And other people may be reluctant in that situation.
0: It, would this be a circumstance where um the sisters who are unvaccinated testing in advance could give you a bit more protection?
1: Yeah, there are several steps that you could take. One would be testing in advance to show that at that time that they're not infected. Another would be to see them um, outside where the risk of infection is reduced by 90%. So I think there, there are a few things that you can do.
0: Diamond in West Hollywood says, I see conflicting reports about the staying power of the Moderna booster. I see some places high efficacy for nine months. Others say only two months. Um, Which report should I trust?
1: Yeah, and so that depends on the surveillance that's done um, and then the degree of protection in terms of what you're looking for. So if you're looking for breakthrough infections, it looks that the, like those can, um, might be on the increase in, in about two months. But in terms of protection against more severe disease, such as that resulting in hospitalization or death, that's gonna provide longer protection.
0: All right. Do you think we're likely to see a more specifically targeted booster available in the fall?
1: I think it all depends on on what we learn more about how long vaccine-induced immunity lasts and what the protection is against different strains. The vaccine manufacturers have already looked at developing Omicron-specific vaccines and clinical trials are underway, so those certainly are an option. They might be available, but I'm just not sure that that's necessary. I'm not sure that that'll provide that much of an advantage compared to the original vaccine strain.
0: We've had a number of listeners who have mentioned as a premise in their questions that they've received Evusheld injections to boost their immune system response beyond what they're getting from Um, vaccine boosters, who should consider getting Evershield and what does it do?
1: Yeah, so that's a combination of two different um, antibodies, monoclonal antibodies that are very long lasting. So the protection after receiving that injection lasts um, at least six months and it might last even longer. So people who may not have had a good response to the vaccine, such as people who are immune compromised, um, those are the candidates for getting Evusheld, um, and and because they've had um they have a likely um, suboptimal response to active vaccination, it's a way of perform getting those antibodies in passively to make sure that they're protected. So anybody with the underlying condition that compromises their immune responses because of therapy or underlying diseases, contact your healthcare provider. Um, We've been trying to administer that and getting the word out um, at UC Davis about that too, because we do have that available and it's a matter of reaching the right patients and letting them know that we'd like them to be more protected.
0: Writing for the Los Angeles Times, reporter Emily Albert Reyes, in her piece on Evusheld, um said that though the drug is free to eligible patients, um there may be an administration fee that goes with it and And in Emily's piece, she has a, a, a mission Viejo resident who said she ended up paying more than eleven hundred dollars for a brief consultation with the u c Irvine uh, oncologist to get her her shot and um do you have any advice for? for how to deal, you know, how to avoid uh, sticker shock for getting the shot.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a huge surprise, something like that. I, I would guess that in most cases, um, people would be contacted, for example, by their oncologist. And this could be either via um, a phone call, telemedicine visit, or an in-person visit, and they hopefully would just have to have a copay. Um, for that, which hopefully, depending on their insurance is not not too substantial. But um, I, I'm hoping that that's an outlier and not what most people are experiencing.
0: Dr. Blumberg, always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much, and we so appreciate your being willing to join us weekly and offer all this time and your expertise as well. And love hearing what you learn as you've been doing this for the past couple of years, um, as we've all been in on this crash course together.
1: Yeah, we've all been learning a lot, haven't we? Yeah, no
0: question. Have a very good week. Thanks, you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAist.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle.